Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Land Grant Podcast Network's In Conversation Show. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined by the one and only Big G from the Fans First Sports Network and the Steel Curtain Network. He normally talks about the Pittsburgh Steelers all of college football at large. But as you can see by not only his bucket hat, if you're watching here with us live, or everything behind him, he's a big Ohio State fan. So Big G, I am delighted to have you here today to break down the first month of the Ohio State football season. Man, thank you for the opportunity, Matt, for jumping on the podcast, man. It's an honor, truly an honor to come on and do anything, but especially if I can do something with my beloved OHIO Ohio State Buckeyes, man. A ride when I die to the Buckeyes. I didn't get an opportunity to go to school there, but I've been riding with the Buckeyes since the 70s, man. So if you want to talk Ohio State football, we can get it in. We can do what we do. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. I absolutely love the Level Up podcast, which you and Andy Pregler put out on the Fans First Sports Network college football feed. It's an absolutely incredible listen. If you aren't listening to it already, you have to tune in every week to Level Up and all the shows on the college football feed for France for a sports network. But Level Up, you guys have so much fun. I absolutely love the energy you bring. And I'm hoping, and I can already tell, that you're going to bring that energy to this conversation. So Ohio State is four games into their 2023 season. Facts. 4-0, which is yeah. good, which is what we yeah. all expected. Yeah. Everything else, maybe not exactly as we expected, Big G. Yeah. From from t- from a ten thousand foot view, what is your take on what we saw in the first four games? Don't have to break anything down, but just like big picture, what did you think of the first month of the season? Big picture is to what's to be expected for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, considering the fact, you know, you lost a, a second the second overall draft pick in C.J. Stroud, two what I consider first round picks. One was a third, one was a first on the on the offensive tackle standpoint. And you had a second-year coach with Jim Knowles coming in and resurrecting the defense is what to be expected. That's that's the big picture for Ohio State. We should be 4-0. We should have whooped Notre Dame worse than what we whooped them, but we beat them. And so it's off to now the Big Ten schedule. And what we need jumping off at Ohio State is to get progressionally better because without having progression, being progressionally better, we don't stand a chance to win the Big Ten, which is always the first number one goal. It's Big Ten first, Toon second, then on to the the playoff. That's how we get down at Ohio State. So big picture, we have to get progressionally better in order for us to compete with a Big Ten schedule moving forward. Did you see anything in that Notre Dame game that told you, okay, the first three games, especially the first two games, might not have been where we thought they would be or where we wanted them to be, Mm -hmm. but that progress that you're talking about Mm -hmm. was there. You said probably should have beat Notre Dame worse than they actually did with a 17 to 14 victory. Right. But they they won on the road, mm-hmm. shut down what had been a pretty prolific offense. Right. Was there enough progression in that first real test of a game to say, okay, they're moving in the right direction? Is maybe the movement isn't there, the steps aren't big enough in that movement, but there is movement to where they should be at this point. Major progression. I mean, considering the fact that Kyle McCord had not really played what I consider a big-time game 
on the road. And people have to go back and remember, C.J. Stroud struggled with top 10 opponents during his two-year tenure at Ohio State. And Justin Fields showed a little struggle, too, with playing on neutral sites and away. So for Kyle McCord to go into Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana, and pull off a win against a top 10 opponent, that speaks volumes about the offense, let alone what you saw from the offensive running game and with the defense. Now, I know there's been a lot of chatter and a lot of talk out there about the defensive ends not being able to get sacks for the Buckeyes, struggles with JTT, struggles with Jack Sawyer, and then Steel Chambers has been circled as possibly being the link in this top 11 defense. But from a standpoint to where we were last year to this year, the offense is just not as explosive as it was last year. But, however, it's serviceable enough for us to win games. And last I checked, we still got a top five overall defense as far as all the rankings out there for college sports. So I say, yes, we made enough progression at this stage. But the next test is coming, believe me, in the next three. Between Purdue's not going to be rough, but Maryland and Penn State, oh, we got to level up. Because if we don't level up, we could walk out of there with a loss for sure. You talked about Maryland. We've got them coming up this week for the Buckeyes in in the horseshoe. It's homecoming for the Buckeyes on Saturday. Facts. Yeah, Maryland's had a great great year. Their offense, led by Tulia Tulia Tungavailoa, has been mm-hmm. really strong. Their defense has been surprisingly good. Top twenty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they played the number one hundred and thirty three schedule in FBS. Uh, which is kind of crazy because there's only 133 teams in FBS. So <laughs> yeah. not exactly a, a tough schedule. So it's it's hard to get a real read on how good Mike Loxley's team actually is. But all things being equal, in a vacuum, they've done pretty well. Yeah. What is going to be the, t- the, the thing to look for for you as the Terps come into the shoe? Is it to be able to keep Tulia under control to not hit big plays. The high state hasn't given up any big plays in the passing game all season. Right. Is it going to be to be able to get them off the field on third down, which has been a major struggle? Is it going to be getting pressure on the quarterback? What is the thing that you think is going to stand out to make make sure that Ohio State comes out of that game with enough positives and momentum leading into, you said, Purdue, probably not that tough, but the Nittany Lions are just two weeks away. Yeah, facts. Well, I think it's going to be a combination of things. It's not just going to be one particular thing where you say, okay, Ohio State, you have to do this proficiently to win the game. The bottom line is this. Their offense and their offensive strategy from the Maryland Terps is to play fast, keep the ball outside the hashes, outside dumps, inside dumps, and then come back with inside play action or hit you with a run that you're not expecting. So, therefore, the level up has to happen with the defensive back for Ohio State. I love David Ignosa. I think he's a top flight, maybe possible first-round pick. Of course, I love Denzel Burke. But this is the game where we're going to see a lot about length of ransom, Josh Proctor, and Sonny Styles. Because Jim Knowles loves to run that three-set safety thing. Well, they play with four wide receivers. So, do we run four corners out there? Or is this a game where we say, okay, we break away from the tradition and you put a kid who's super athletic like C.J. Hicks in the game to replace Steel Chambers to get pressure on the outside and still be able to run with some of those receivers? Or can Sonny, can you play the drop-down nickel corner to put enough pressure and disguise the coverage and the blitz scheme that's going to come forward with attacking Maryland's offense? Conversely, this might be the first game where you actually see a sack from Sawyer and or from JTT, because we've been able to get pressure all along 
with Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams up the gut. And I love Caden Curry because that kid should be in, I think, on the Rushman package for sure and play that three-technique defensive tackle to get pressure up the gut. But I think that the deal is hold him in his pocket, hold him a little bit longer, and our defensive backs have to show up to give us the presence that we need in the backfield because I don't think they can beat us by running the ball. They have to pass the ball. He's going to have to throw for anywhere between 350 and 450 in order to beat us. So I think that's the key to the game because Maryland will do something that most people don't realize that they do. They will turn that ball over. He'll throw an interception. He'll drop it on the ground for a fumble. So that's how defensively we can actually – I can see us actually winning this game. You mentioned Caden Curry on the defensive line. Even a guy like Kenyatta Jackson has gotten a Love lot it. of buzz but hasn't really gotten you know a whole lot of opportunity in the game. The last couple of weeks there's been conversation about how important sacks are. We really have not seen a real breakout sack artist in Columbus mm-hmm. since Chase Young went to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But – you, you're as much of an X's and O's guys as anybody because of the way that the evolution of college football offense has changed. Quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball a lot more quickly. They're not holding on to it as long as they did just right. five, 10 years ago. Right. So in your perspective, how important is actually getting home? Obviously you all, you always want to get the sacks. You want mm-hmm. to get the TFLs, but is that the be all and end all that it used to be from a defensive line perspective? Or is it like you said, molding that pocket so that you can keep him contained and make sure that he's not getting out and busting plays for big gains, either with his feet or just scrambling and finding more opportunities to extend plays and then find a receiver down the field. Right. So I think Ohio State is the top five in leading pressures for pressures Mm -hmm. on the quarterback across the board. So sometimes it's not always getting home, but it's about making the quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket because you have to play contained because most quarterbacks is getting rid of the ball. 1,001, 1,002, the ball's gone. However, What makes defensive line better, they work in synchrony with the defensive backfield. So the defensive backs have to be able to hold them for 1,002, 1,003. And then that comes in where Jim Knowles runs that exotic play calling from that three safety standpoint. It's supposed to be you can't tell which way the pressure is coming from. So I don't care if they spread out in 11 personnel, go wide outside the numbers. If you still got six and seven guys in the box, the quarterback's going to do one of two things. He's either going to call timeout or he's going to look over to the sideline and say, hey, look, I don't understand what the heck is happening right here. What do I need to do to get myself out of this this pressure and because uh uh Tua's got a lot of experience going on from his transfer from Alabama to Ohio State it might be hard to confuse him a little bit but then again there comes the chess game which way do we get pressure how do we get at him and I'm telling you right now I think we have the best defensive tackle rotation in all of college football so we got to get pressure up the middle versus on the outside and we contain him I'll live with it versus just saying, okay, we got to have a sack master. And some Ohio State Buckeye fans are really spoiled with that because we had Nikki Bosa, Joey Bosa, Chase Young. It just was guy after guy after guy. And you got to understand that that teams game plan against us because they know we have explosive defensive ends. So I'll take with the pressure coming up the middle, the defensive backs holding them down and not giving them a big play. We haven't given up a play over 40 yards this whole season. So I don't think we're going to start now with Maryland. So I look for our defense to shine a little bit different than when the traditional way where we just have a sack master and blow up it all over, over the over the field down in Columbus or wherever at we're playing at as far as the Ohio State Buckeyes are concerned. So looking at the defense, you mentioned the fact that this is Jim Knowles' second year. Yeah. What do you what do you think about 
Jim Knowles coming in here and kind of bringing a much different defense than what we are used to in Columbus for the past 10, 20 years. I mean, really since the, yeah. I mean, forever really, but I mean, there's been a fairly consistent defensive mindset from the Trestle era to the Urban Meyer era to the early Ryan Day era. It's been fairly consistent in the, in the schemes that they've run and the types of players they brought in. Jim mm-hmm. Knowles is really changing that. And I think, there's been a little bit of you can see some friction between him and Larry Johnson having pretty right. different perspectives on how they want to run, especially that defensive line. Yeah. I feel like Larry Johnson has won that because uh, Jim Knowles is is kind of bending to that idea a little bit more for better or for worse, whatever you think yeah. that is. But what are your thoughts on Jim Knowles's first year and what four games I- into his tenure here in Columbus? Yeah, well, I, I think the defense has dramatically improved from last year to what we saw, yeah. you know, from last year to this year. And where I think that is is because there's been a marriage of minds between Knowles and Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson wants to play the traditional 4-3, four-down lineman, rush from the outside, and let my linebackers run all over the place and take pressure off the defensive backfield. Where Jim Knowles is saying it's the scheme. And Jim Knowles was brought to Ohio State uh, for ladies and gentlemen out there that don't know to stop 11 personnel. We figured that we have good enough defensive tackles and defensive ends, and we could play two linebackers, drop a safety down in the box that can shut down anybody's running game, i.e. Toon, i.e. Penn State. He was brought in to stop those 11 personnel games. And a lot of Ohio State friends was upset with him last year because how we started out against Oregon, because Oregon plays that traditional wide outside offense, and he was killing us up the scene with outside on the corners. But what's happened is there's been development, especially player development with the defensive backfield. If you look at how Josh Proctor has played, because he was missing in action after that outside wide uh, screen one-on-one coverage against Notre Dame for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. If you look at how Denzel Burke has improved and he's went from maybe a mid to third to fourth round grade to possibly now uh, early second, late first round grade. And now especially the incoming of David Imanoza from old transfer from Ole Miss and my favorite player on the Buckeyes defense as of the date. Mr. Sonny Styles, who's a who's a freak of nature that you just don't see anywhere. The kid's 6'4, 230 pounds and runs like a gazelle, can drop down and play a linebacker and play that outside coverage. So I think as time goes on, people are going to get more and more comfortable with understanding that the scheme that was brought to Ohio State was to give us a better chance across the board versus lining up at uh, how we've traditionally done with those big ground and pound deep big ten teams that's come into Ohio State and literally tried to bully us. I think that's where some of the conversation came with Ohio State being soft versus them changing to what they are defensively. And I don't know about you, bro, but I haven't seen a soft defense as of this year. We have a defense that's a top five defense out there. It's just it's not that traditional. There's no A.J. Hawk lining up here. There's no Andy Katzenmoyer who's going to line up in the middle and just destroy you. We have athletes all across the board that can run with anybody, and that gives us a definite advantage. It's just us maturating to learn to understand the scheme. You know, I I think it's difficult – in today's day and age, especially in the Big Ten, I, I will, I fully admit, I think the Big Ten East is the best division in college football yeah. this year. Facts. I think if you if you look top to bottom, <laughs> I love it. If you look top to bottom, there could be an argument that the Big Ten as a whole is the best conference in college football this year. Could be, but because, like you said, the nature of, of Big Ten football is so different from what you're going to see in the SEC, in the ACC, in the Big Twelve, yeah. in the Pac-12. RIP Pac-12. Um, 
<laughs> pack two. You do have to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you but you do have to kind of like set up, especially on defense, a way to play the teams that are in your league, mm. but then also have a defense that's prepared to play whomever you face in the in the playoffs. So yeah. it's it's a really it's a double edged sword. If you say I'm going to focus on trying to beat an Alabama or a or an Oklahoma or a USC offense, yeah, yeah, then you have to play Penn State, you have to play Michigan, you have to play Wisconsin. It's 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 tough to have something that can do both of those, and I feel like they're really trying to walk the line of yeah. having a defense with a defensive line, like you said, with Tyreek Williams and Mike Hall in the middle, kind of really shutting down uh, any explosive runs. They are still teams are still able to run the ball against them, but yeah stopping that but also having that secondary like you mentioned that if they do end up having to play Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley offense in the playoffs they, or, or heck next year they're gonna have to play next year against the Lincoln yeah, Riley facts. offense you know yeah. uh, potentially to, to try to find a way to do both of those it's a lot harder than I think people realize and that really to me is what allowed their rivals to get ahead of the Buckeyes is yeah. because they did the opposite of what Ohio State's defense was built to stop yeah, I, I agree. I agree in totality. And some of that comes from recruiting and the toughness mm -hmm. and turning athletes. So so the, the philosophy from Coach Urban Meyer was, hey, look, I want a track team. Bring them in. Mick, you get them tough. Let's get these mat sessions going on. And then I'll turn a fast guy into a tough guy. I think what Ohio State has done from a recruiting standpoint, especially with Coach Knowles and getting his type of guys, is that I need that athlete and then I will work on their brain. Because I think that they already have what they need in order to become really good. But I got to work on them understanding what the scheme is. Because what knows is if you're in the right place at the right time defensively, oh, it's six. You know, so because, like I said, you put a steel chambers on the outside and he, he looks like he's going to come on a pressure and he drops into the flat and the quarterback's got a hot read and he throws it over there, it's to the house. Same difference with David Ipinosa. You walk him all the way down on the inside corner route and the wide receiver goes to try to break left and break right, and he can't because the kid's 6'2", 200 pounds, so he's going to knock it down or tip it up in the air, and, hey, there's another big play. So I think that's where we're going because it's not just about the Big Ten. It's the national landscape and big picture of how we can dominate and, and bring another national championship home to Ohio State. I mean, I've always, I had issues a long time ago with Ryan Day trying to put, put his spin and his philosophy on the defense, and I'm glad we went and got, got Jim Knowles because I think Jim Knowles understands how the landscape of college football is changing and the best, best athletes play outside the hash marks where traditionally it's usually been in the backfield. So now, we hey, we got to go. We got to put the best athletes on the field, and we continue to have that at down in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State. You mentioned Ryan Day. Let's switch over to the offense here. I have been somebody who I've been writing articles and talking on podcasts for nearly two years now mm -hmm. that I wholeheartedly believe that Ryan Day needs to pass the sticks when it comes to play calling. Not necessarily because I think he's not a quality play caller. In fact, I think he's still potentially the best play caller in college football. Yeah. But from a logistical standpoint, you're the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. You just don't have the time to put in all of the chalk work or the, the chalkboard time to come up with a place to diagnose uh, schemes that your your opponents are working on, to do all the stuff that you have to do to be ready. And then mm -hmm. in-game, 
you're you're worrying about timeouts. You're worrying about your defense. You're worrying about injuries. You're worrying about overall game plan. My issue is that I think the offense, at least this year, well, that's not true. Even last year with C.J. Stroud has okay. been stunted to a certain extent because I think Ryan Day's focus has been split. And yeah. because of that, I don't think he's prepared enough to be 100% confident in his play calls that he would like to run. I think yeah. if he's confident, we see things like we saw against Clemson in 2019, or we see yeah. what happened against Georgia in the Peach Bowl this past season. When yeah. he's confident, he lets it go. When he's not confident, he reverts a little bit to the most conservative aspects of his nature where we see a lot of you know wide runs into the boundary. We see a lot of running on second down 90% of the time. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts on where Ryan Day is from an offensive standpoint? Not in terms of quarterback development, because I think he's still the best, not in yeah. terms of, of offensive recruiting, because I think he's still one of the best, but like from just running and managing the offense, because let's be honest, Brian Hartline might be the OC by title, but Ryan Day is the offensive coordinator. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. So that's the thing. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you start talking about what Ryan Day. He's a person or a creature or a coach of comfortability. He has to be feel 100% comfortable in order for him to relinquish because you got to remember, he sort of got the job by default. If it, I mean, we wouldn't even be having this yep. conversation about Ryan Day right now if the thing wouldn't have went down between Zach Smith, Urban Meyer, and what was going on down in Columbus, Ohio. So the issue is, okay, how does Ryan Day maturate to become that next guy? He's all, Brian Hartline has already proven – that he is probably the best position recruiting coach in the whole college football. But the issue is, Ryan, does he understand your philosophy and think like you? Because I'm going to tell you something. If Hardline was in charge of that offense, I promise you, you would never see 12 personnel ever. It would be 11 personnel because his wide receiver room is stacked and loaded, and they would be throwing deeps. They throw inside routes. They throw seven routes. You, you name it, they would do it exotically, cross routes from the wide receiver. So the, the issue is, as the maturation comes with Ryan Day and him becoming a bigger executive, like a Nick Saban, I hate Dabo Sweeney, but like a Dabo Sweeney, like, mm -hmm. like uh, guys that, that run their, their team from an executive standpoint, that's the next maturation step for Ryan Day. How soon we see that? It depends. I think if we boat race and boat ride Maryland out of there, we take care of Purdue, and we come back and pop Penn State, you might see a little bit of right, different line day when it comes down the horn against a Wisconsin and a Michigan. But if those games are close and those games are tight, man, I don't know. And, th and that's the issue. The issue is day has to move out of the way to around, allow Brian Hartline to become what we've hired him to be. Because I think the Hartline has a mind just as exotic as Ryan day. And he's a little bit younger. So because of that, he's willing to take a little bit more risk, take a little bit more chance, or Ryan Day's like, man, my job's on the line. Brian Hartline's going to be like, bro, don't worry about your job. I'm going to get you to the finish line because I got the best wide receiver group in the whole country. So I'm going to put guys like Jalen Ballard. I'm going to put guys like Tate. I'm going to put guys like Ennis in the game to pair up with Marvin Harrison Jr. with Emeka Buka, and we're going to get this thing cooking because I think he thinks that's the way to go to where, you know, Days like, man, I don't know. You know, I got Chip Trainum, I got uh Pork Chop uh, uh Williams, I got Travion Henderson, I got Kate Stover, I got all these other weapons, and I want everybody to be satisfied. Where Brian Hartline's gonna be like, nah, 
It's 11, bro. It's 11. We're going 11, four wide. Let's go. You know, because they can't stop us. And you got to remember, and see, I'm a, I'm a Buckeye Buckeye, so I know, remember the narrative. I remember when Hartline was a player at Ohio State, and, mm-hmm. and Jim Trestle did not want to go 11 personnel. But he had an all-world quarterback to me and Troy Smith, and look what he had on the outside. Brian Robisky, Brian Hartline, Teddy Ginn Jr., Anthony Gonzalez. I could just keep running down the line of receivers that were stockpiled at Ohio State. So when they went 11 personnel, the Big Ten was looking like, man, how in the heck did we stop this? And I think that's where Ryan Day is sort of itching. He's like, man, just let me let them loose. And I mean, not Ryan Day. Hartline's just saying, let me let them loose. And Ryan Day's, nah, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So so I think the transition's coming. I think if they get into a shootout where they know that they're going to have to score 35, 40 points, it's coming. But we'll see. And you might see that against Maryland. Because I think they're going to try to boat race Maryland up out of there. I think they're they're going for 50. against Because you got to remember, Maryland's coach is the guy that said Ohio State was soft. He's the guy that started this mess. So he's trying to put up 50 on Maryland, bro. Not only that, there. If you remember back to what was that? Must have been the 2018, 2019 season. They're the yeah. ones who allegedly tipped off the NCAA about Chase Young's girlfriend getting a flight out to the Rose Bowl. And ever since nice. then, it's been on. It's been on. Yeah. Ryan Day has looked to score. I mean, they scored what 63 on him two years ago. The last yeah. time the game yeah. was in Columbus. So yeah. I would not be surprised. The big question to me is, can Kyle McCord do it? Can Kyle McCord fully take advantage of the wide receivers? Mm. Obviously, the somewhat shaky left side of the offensive line plays a big part in that. Yeah. But you're talking about Brian Hartline wanting to go 11, wanting to go four vert, wanting to Mm. get the ball to those guys as much as possible. Mm. We've only seen five starts from Kyle McCord, one his freshman season and four this Mm. season. Do you think he is capable of taking full advantage of the weapons he has at his disposal? I think this week you're going to see a different Kyle McCord. I think Kyle McCord – well, first of all, let me back up and say this. I was critical as all get up with Kyle McCord being named the starting quarterback at Ohio State because I knew. I had heard some stuff. I had saw some stuff. I got a little inside stuff here and there, and I knew that in practice, Devin Brown was down there killing it. I knew he was, right? So I was like, okay. And I also knew that the line, the room was split between the vote about what they wanted or who they wanted to start and play. So I was like, okay, let's give the kid a chance and give equal snaps. But then I had to back up and think about it. And I was like, okay, he's had Dwayne Haskins. He's had Justin Fields. He had CJ Stroud. Those guys came in and I don't know if they were all guaranteed first round draft picks, but they all ended up being NFL first round draft picks. So his quarterback development and player development is proven. So I think that Ryan Day moving forward with Kyle McCord, not only did he pick the right guy, but I think the kids growing up right in front of our eyes. And I look to see this this week where he's got a whole lot of confidence. The bye week couldn't have come at a better time for Ohio State because now you can set McCord down. You can put on that all-22 coaches film. You can show him where he made the wrong reads and the different errors and then say, hey, man, what are you comfortable with this? I mean, what are you comfortable with? Are you comfortable with this play, that play? Who are you comfortable with? And now he sees confidence and breathes confidence and builds confidence. I don't think there's a shadow of a doubt that Kyle McCord is the leader, and I think he's growing even more and more, becoming more passionate and more vocal. 
So I think this week up against Maryland, you're going to see a whole different column of court. You might even see a 300-yard, three-touchdown game out of the kid because I think that he's ready for that. I think he's ready for prime time. But it's just what what more – I mean, we're spoiled as Buckeye fans. We, I named the guys that we've had in, 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 in sequence. So now we get a kid that hasn't proved anything. Let's give him a chance. And I think he's got it. now, And he better have it because, you know, I don't get me started about what's coming next year and the year after that. As far as that quarterback position at Ohio State. And for y'all who don't know, next year there's a kid coming. It's the truth. His name's Aaron Nolan. I already done checked him out, watched him, seen him live in person. He is the truth. For my for my people that watch me out there in the podcast land, he is him. <laughs> there's no <laughs> ifs, ifs, ands, buts about it. He's that guy. It's gonna be interesting because we're so used to seeing kind of a a just a natural progression of going from one quarterback to the next it'll be interesting to see what happens if Kyle McCord has a good year not good enough maybe to go to the NFL draft and then you end up having another guy like Aaron Nolan coming in what happens with Devin Brown does he stay or does he go you still have Lincoln Keenholz who is a true freshman this year West Dakota um, Heisman <laughs> yeah that's yeah, the guy. yeah West it's 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 going to be interesting to see what what happens there. Mm. I I don't we 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 talked a, a decent amount about the wide receivers at least in totality. So I don't want to necessarily spend a ton of time on them. I mm. I, I have no worries about unless you know assuming his ankle is is fine. I have no worries about Marvin Harrison Jr. getting his. Ameke yeah. Buk I think has stepped up and had a great season. Julian yeah. Fleming I think has had a really really good quiet season. Not mm. only has he really come up big in some key spots, he's also delivered some really really important blocks mm. uh, on the outside as well. So the wide receivers, no worries. Mm. I am interested on your perspective on what's going on with the running backs. We have not seen Mayan Williams a whole lot. Chip Trainum has kind of taken that spot, which mm. I think is is fine. He he's been great. He brings a lot of versatility to the backfield. Can not only line up at tailback, he can also play fullback, he can also play mm-hmm. H-back, he's even kind of played a, an extra tight end at times. Yeah. But it seems to me like they're running plays that are designed for Chip Trainum when Travion Henderson's in the backfield, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're running plays designed for Travion Henderson when Chip Trainum's in the backfield. They are two very different running backs, although they do have some similarities. Mm-hmm. But it just seems to me like they're not really getting either guy into a position to have the most success. What are you seeing from those two guys and how they're being used at the, at the tailback position? Well, first the thing, I, I believe that Mayan Williams, something's wrong with him because there's no way that he should not be getting carries, but then that he also was hurt in, Yeah. He was, he, he got a little hurt and he got a little injured in fall camp, but yeah. he's shown up in every game, even if it's only been minimal snaps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do believe that. But the, the issue is, is that to be honest, chip train that dude. I mean, I really, I, I'm being just blunt out there. If Travion Henderson wasn't the recruit that he was and brought into Ohio State to be that number one running back, because any of you guys that follow college football, yeah, there's a lot going on as far as talent and all whatever else, but there's some politics too. And Travion Henderson was that guy. He was supposed to be the next J.K. Dobbins, falling in line, being a top first-round pick NFL player and all whatever else. But when I'm telling you guys that Chip Trainum's that guy, Chip Trainum's that dude, right? He really is. And I'm telling you, you're he's going to be more explosive on the NFL level than he is at the collegiate level because he's really that guy. So the, the issue is, is that I think Day's looking at how can I get more bang for my buck concerning play calling and inserting guys? 
So if I got two guys that look the same and one guy's different, I'm going to put the two guys in that don't look the same. I mean, that look the same. So that way I can try to confuse the defense. The issue is it's starting to get colder. It's fall. It's October in Ohio. So you're going to need Mayan Williams to show up and pound a little bit as that temperature drops. And I just hope that by the time it does, that he's healthy enough to play. However, I will say this. I think that you're going to see maybe as time goes forward, some two back sets out of Ryan Day because how much of okay. an athlete Chip Trainum actually is. People don't understand. Let me, let me let me say this, man. I love Ohio State, but I love college football. So I know the team that Herm Edwards assembled out in Arizona State. And if they <laughs> all stay together, look out now. Look out. Arizona State would have been right there with the mix of them in the Pac-12 because he had a squad. Look across the college landscape. And Chip Trainum was his lead horse in that backfield, along with JT Daniels, the quarterback down at LSU. So he had some players that he was ready to do the thing with. So Trainum has really – because let me ask you this, Matt. How many guys have you seen outside of Trey Sermon that came from Oklahoma to come to Ohio State and insert himself into the lineup and be the guy? That It doesn't happen like that. It almost fell by default to Trey Cernum. So for Trainum to come – all the way from Arizona State to Ohio State and show that, look, I can't take him off the field because how, how, how valuable he is to the offense speaks volumes. And I think that's what's really going on in the depth. And, and, and Tony Alford knows that. Tony, Believe me, Tony Alford can assess running backs the same way that Brian Hartline can assess wide receivers. So he's looking and he's like, hey, man, Coach Day, that's the dude, dog. <laughs> you got to let that dude play, man, because because he's a touchdown waiting to happen. Both of them are. They can. Any both of those guys can get the ball anywhere on the field and go to the house. So that's what I like about it. But I know, like I said, the weather's changing. Pork chop got to be ready to roll, bro. You know, about, about the middle of October when that weather drops, he's got to be ready to go because we're going to need him. We're going to need him to yeah. win. Speaking of that, let's wrap up here, Big G. Mm-hmm. We've got four games in the books. We've got eight more in the regular season. Eight straight. Already had to buy. Already had the off week. Yeah. Taking the literal, not literal, but taking the figurative Buckeye hat off, the scarlet and gray rose-colored glasses off. Yeah. What do you really think? Not what's possible, because I think we all understand it's possible for this team to win out. It's possible Mm. for this team to win the national championship. Yeah. But what do you really think in your heart of hearts is the goal, is the outcome for this team? Are they going to beat Penn State? Are they going to beat Michigan? Are they going to win the Big Ten title? Where are you coming down on these next eight games? If if I had to gauge it right now, and five being the best and one being the worst, I would give us a three and a half, four right now. And that's just because we have to continue to see the maturation of Kyle McCord at quarterback. We have to see some continued improvement with the offensive line because they got to settle in together. You got to remember, these guys never played together until this season. And you got three new starters on that line. So maturation of McCord, maturation of the line, yeah, it's going to keep going up and up and up. And I think that's what we have to see. So I'd say right now, first of all, let me tell you something. And, and, and I help everybody out there is listening to this. Ryan Day drops to Michigan. It's issues in Columbus, Ohio, y'all. That I'm telling you right now, people can say whatever. I love Coach Day as a coach, but it's issues. Three straight to tune? Oh, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a violation. So I think that he's gearing 
all the way up to pop Michigan at the end. The tr- the, the, the part that's the trouble is how do the guys play throughout that eight-game thing? How do they do with Maryland this week who's coming in with a high-powered offense? You got a down game, which is a track game against Purdue. Then you got to get right back up and you rock the all-gray uniforms at against Penn State, you know, which is supposed to be a scarlet out, you know, for Ohio State. Then, you know, you got a little bit down. You got Wisconsin. And then a couple weeks after that, here we go with the Wolverines. So I, I think and believe right now, in my opinion, where we're supposed to be. We, we learned a lot about who they are, but we can see where the improvement is. So that's why I say three and a half, four stars. But it's time to level up. It's time for them to move and go because guess what? Kyle McCord, you're a five-star quarterback. Marvin Harrison Jr., you're a five-star wide receiver. Ameka Buka, you're a five-star wide receiver. JTT, you're a five-star defensive end. Jack Story, you're a five-star defensive end. We got five stars all over the freaking place, bro. So, so it's time for us to level up and show why we are the number one team in the Big Ten and why should we should be playing in Indianapolis because we ain't been there in a while, bro. It's been a mm-hmm. minute since we've been in Indianapolis, and that's the number one goal, Indianapolis, and winning in Indianapolis, and then the rest will take care of itself. And that means popping Penn State, and that means popping Michigan. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, or actually right after the, the Notre Dame game. The Ohio State teams that win national titles are never the ones that come in with the most talent. They're right. never the ones that come in with the highest expectations. 2002, 2014, those teams did it early. Those teams did it a year ahead of schedule. So I think the idea, like you said, that they are they are purposely working on getting better each week. And obviously that's always the goal but they're not looking to come out of the gate as the best team or the best version of themselves they could possibly be, I think yeah. is, is important. I think this schedule doesn't really line up super well for that because I think it's a pretty tough schedule. I think it came into the season as the 18th hardest schedule in the country. So yeah. they've got a little bit more of a minefield than they have in, in recent years. Yeah. But I'm with you. I think the, the, the leadership and the the grit and the 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 perseverance that we saw in South Bend a couple of weeks and weekends ago tells told me a lot more about that team than whether or not they're converting on you know third and five or whatever yeah. you know I, I think that stuff will come I trust the coaches and I trust the athletes to get that part of it figured out mm-hmm. it's the other stuff that we I think that we've seen them lacking in the last couple of years that I think we learned a lot about against Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. I'm with you that I think there's a lot of room for growth, but it feels special. Like I don't, it didn't to me before Notre Dame, but coming after that, I, I was a senior at Ohio state in 2002 when they won that national title with, with Trestle, oh, where it never felt like they were ever like the best team in the country. It often yeah. didn't feel like they were the best team on the field. And yet mm-hmm. they never lost. This yeah. team is starting to feel a little bit like that to me, which mm-hmm. will give me a heart attack by the time November 25th rolls around. Yeah. But if it, if it goes the same way as the 2002 team did, I think I'll be all right with it. Hey, Matt, you know the nickname that they got for uh, Kyle McCool, right? You heard that, right? Kyle McCool, is that the one? No, oh, Kyle McCrenzel. Kyle oh, McCrenzel. I like that too. They're yeah, calling, yeah. They're calling him Kyle McCrenzel because they say they don't need him to be – a C.J. Stroud, they don't need him to be a Dwayne Haskins. They don't need him to be a Justin Fields. They need him to be a guy that's going to win all the games. And so I, I think that he's going to do that. There's definitely some throws that he shouldn't have made, but his progressions are getting sure. better. His progressions are yeah. getting better, you know. And so I, I think it. I feel that. I, I think that 
we could be like on that 2002 level, you know, which, like you said, who who in the world thought we were going to go whoop the Miami Hurricanes in, in the national championship? I mean, I thought it because I love the Buckeyes, but the rest of the nation was like, no way. This is the greatest college football mm-hmm. team that ever existed until that final buzzer sounded. Yep. <laughs> and, and then yep. looked up and I got the picture right here from the Buckeyes winning the national championship in the 2002 yep. season without a shadow of a doubt. I was there. I was uh, at Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, uh, One of the best moments of my life, not going to lie. All right, Big G, I've loved this conversation. I've loved your insights. Where can people follow along to everything you talk about, whether it's Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's college football or, or anything else that you do on all of the different shows that you host? facts man man i appreciate it again for the opportunity to come on and do the land grant podcast with you man we have been talking about this for seems like a a month but it's been just a couple of weeks and we're finally able to sit down and get the conversation in so i appreciate that and i say thank you first of all anytime man yeah of all man you can catch me out tonight at 8 30 live on steel curtain network fans first sports network on the puppy breaks podcast with me and the triple og shannon shannon white and kevin tate on Fans First Sports Network. You can also check me out on Fridays with the Homies Podcast with me, B-Dirt, Payday, and we rock out talking about all sports, but specifically about the AFC North. And if you don't get enough of that, we go to the Homies After Party or Homies Overtime Podcast where we do a lot of interaction with the live chat audience, let them bring in questions, but we talk football and sports-centric. And then, of course, you can check me on Sundays on the Know-It-Alls Podcast well, me, my boy Mod, and my boy Tate, Fr- Tate Boy Fresh talk about everything concerning uh, football. And it might be a possibility that there's going to be a little change up with the know-it-alls here as for right now. But right now, we're just on, on Facebook. Then you can also check me on That's Rather Cavaliers, Key Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, where I talk with Relly Hall, Sweet T, my boy Tate Boy Fresh, where we talk about the Cleveland Cavs, my new beloved Cleveland Cavaliers team. And last but not least, my favorite podcast and the one that I'm growing and working together with Andy P right here on the Fans First Sports Network, College Football Network, the Level Up podcast, where me and Andy will do a week's review of the games prior for the week and the week coming up. And me and Andy's had a lot of feedback on that network. So make sure you check us out on all of those platforms because we do what we do and we love football. When you signed on before we started going live, Big G, you told me you were tired and now I understand why. Uh, all that energy you're putting out in this show, let alone doing it over like 12 other podcasts, I understand it. But we'll have to have you back. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game this week and um, go Bucks, I guess. I mean, is that... Yes, sir. Go Bucks. Love go it. Bucks. Go Bucks. All right, everybody, if, if you are finding us on social media, watching us live, or finding us on the website at landgrantholyland.com, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are putting out one, two, sometimes three different podcasts every single day. We would also love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all we got. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.